Hey, and welcome to the Fantastic Mr. Podcast. On this episode, we talk about the history, evolution, and golden age of the television. Is it in the 1940s, 1950s, or is it today? We discuss that and ramble on more coming up. I love that like, intro. Like a little intro? <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. It was straight to the point. No, we don't need to say hello. It, it was, was the little, the little doodly doo. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. So welcome back again. This is Jerome Kramers, and I'm here with my hosts, Zach Graves and Justin Strange. Say hello, guys. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, as you heard on that intro, we're going to be talking a little bit about television, the evolution of it, the, the history of it, the golden yeah. age, as they say. What do you yeah. guys think? The, the prevailing thought is golden age, uh, you know, Justin, you're a professor. No, is it right? The golden age is considered, what, mid-1950s, correct? Yeah, roughly the 50s. Do you agree with that sentiment? What does that term golden age mean? Where does that come from? Do we know? I think it has just to do with, like, that's kind of when TV made a name for itself, where you could, like, instead of having to go to the movies every time you wanted to see something, you could do it at home. You know, and then just it's it's kind of like TV nowadays. So I would say nowadays would be a golden age of TV because TV is so good now. It's like watching a an extra long movie, you know. So back then it got to that point where TV was just good. It was funny. It was, you know, it was kind of revolutionizing the at home, you know, cinema, if you will, where you don't, you don't even have to leave your house to go see something. You can just sit it, sit with your family, with your TV dinner in front of a 20 inch black and white. Boom. TV. I wonder how many people got the privilege and be able to afford that experience, that golden age of television. I don't know what the price of a, a TV was back in the fifties, but I can't imagine. I mean, it was something that everyone could afford, but yeah, I, yeah. my understanding of it was only the affluent could buy televisions because right. you know, it was a new technology. It was expensive. And so only the affluent could buy the TV. And so they made television to that audience based off of uh, or taken off of like Broadway shows and vaudeville and and materials such as that. So it has it had a very highbrow aspect to it for a while, I think. For a while. It got to the point where there's at least one TV. And if you had two TVs, these boy, you were rich. You know, if you had two TVs in your house. You were rich, you know, so it's kind of like nowadays something new comes out, you know, it's crazy expensive. But then as like, like when the DVD player first came out, you know, it was hundreds of dollars for a DVD player. But then once they started making more, of course, the demand started slowing down and, and the, the supply started getting higher. So the demand and just, you know, everything, it's just got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and got to the point where they were making them all over the place. So they didn't have to charge that much. So what do you guys think? Because I'll be honest with you, when I think of golden age of television, I don't think of the 1950s. I think of today. Do you think today is a, uh, the television today is a true rival to back then? If, if I can go first, I think it's better only because back then the 1950s is considered the golden days of TV. The popular TV shows were, or some popular TV shows were I Love Lucy, The Twilight Zone, Ed Sullivan, Looney Tunes, Leave it to Beaver. And two of those, I know three of those, I, I've never seen the Ed Sullivan show, but I assume it's, I don't, I don't. Do you, it's like, it's like a, it's like, like a late night. Oh, okay. So it's a yes, talk show. It was one yeah, of the show. first late night series. Yeah. 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 
So, I like the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. So three of those, I mean, I don't know if you consider Ed Sullivan or talk shows comedies. Cause you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it's funny stuff, but at least two of those are sitcoms, you know, I love Lucy, leave it to beaver. And then you have Looney Tunes, which is animated. So back then it seemed, and then you have the twilight zone, which is a little more serious, a little more scary ish. Um, but back then it seemed nice. like sitcoms, sitcoms kind of ruled the world, you know, but nowadays you got superhero, like you got, Disney plus shows such as Moon Knight and uh, She-Hulk coming out. And then you have um, like shows like Obi-Wan and then you have other shows such as like Umbrella Academy, which is a superhero show, but it's a little different than most. And then, um, oh, Stranger Things, you know, you have Stranger Things, sci-fi, drama, you have every genre kind of taking over the TV world. It's, It's hard not to find a show, you know, to get into. But then again, it is because it's like there's so many options. You don't know what to watch. Does that make sense? So I think I've noticed that the um, as you said, in in the 1950s golden age, sitcoms reign supreme. And I've noticed the shift from serial television to narrative television. All those shows that you have mentioned, Umbrella Academy, Obi-Wan, Stranger Things. These are all shows that essentially are narrative pieces strung over a series as opposed to a singular film. Well, just like different episodes being about different things, which is what sitcoms are about. They didn't, they didn't have one continuing storyline like, you know, I Love Lucy and, and uh, Leave it to Beaver, or no, excuse me, like uh, Obi-Wan and, you know, the Marvel shows where it's all one long, you know, storyline. Back then, such as Leave it to Beaver and I Love Lucy, they get in themselves into predicaments in every episode and they're all different predicaments. You know, that's why it's called a sitcom, situational comedy. They get themselves in situations and it's funny. But to answer your question, my opinion, I think now if you consider this a golden age of TV, then it's a lot better than it was back then. Zach, I want your opinion because I know you're a fan of older television, older music. You're a fan of the vintage. What do you think? So when I think of golden age is the term makes me think of black and white films for the most part and TV. I think like shows like Leave It to Beaver, they are kind of an escape for people back then. The what's the reality is a society. You know, you have the white picket fence and Leave It to Beaver, this seemingly perfect family and you know, two beds, the husband and wife, I'm sleeping separately. The reality wasn't like that. The way that society was evolving, um, at least in terms of Hollywood and TV and film, they were trying to be a little bit careful on what they can um, show accurately. But I don't know if people back then were really bothered by the, the I guess the accuracies or the, the absence of seeing um, kissing on television for a period. I don't know when the first time we saw intimacy in film or TV was, perhaps you guys know, but I think I find it very fascinating how today we, you, you can see so much in terms of you know, oh yeah gratuitous content and nudity mm-hmm. sex the violence mm-hmm. gore yeah, yeah. more like it's, it's moving towards a more re- re- realistic society because i mean yeah. these days I, I mean a lot of the, the stuff that we watch it, i mean I, don't, I really don't i can't recall a show currently that i've watched in the past 10 years that's revolving around like just a normal household, like a leave it to beaver type setting. I'm watching a lot of fantasy, um, very fictionalized um, <laughs> content, but I guess you could argue, even though I've never seen it, um, elements of um, a stranger things, I guess eighties and has mm. um, the smoking, I guess is for whatever reason, 
being it was criticized at one point. It's trying to encourage smoking among the, our youngings. But it is society <laughs> these days has been has grown to become more sensitive. You could argue um, when it comes to you know, certain things, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. And when you, you're talking about being kind of revolutionary in the whole intimacy thing, I love Lucy. And they, they were one of the first sitcoms to introduce an interracial couple That's with true. Lucy and, and Ricky uh, being, and they're, you know, the real life husband and wife as well. Um, and so, and then you got Star Trek with Ahura. Her name is, is it Nichelle Nichols and William Shatner, who shared the first, you know, on screen interracial kiss. And so this, like back then, you know, it was a big deal with TV is seeing, you know, you got Ricky and Lucy who are, you know, Ricky's Hispanic, but then you, and then you have Lucy who's white and they're a married couple on screen. And so they kind of took that leap and did that. I don't think so long as we're talking about Lucille Ball, I don't think that's a mistake either. That Star Trek was the first show to depict a, a multiracial kiss because Lucille Ball was actually a producer for the original Star Trek and she campaigned heavily to get that show made. So if she had any involvement with it at all, then I could very easily see well, yeah, I'm sure how she would, it was progressive. Yeah, I'm sure she was like, let's get these two to kiss. <laughs> I'm sure she was all over that then if, if she was part of Star Trek. Speaking of, I guess, race, uh, why, would you guys wonder why you know, Hollywood, no cast white actors, for for example, Asian uh, roles? Right, that, are you talking about, are you, are, are you referencing Ghost in the Shell? I feel like you're referencing Ghost in the mm -hmm. Shell. I'm speaking of like the golden age. Well, John oh, Wayne, period. He back, played it back he played, then uh, in the yeah. 40s and 50s. Yes. Racism, my friend. That's all do you that think, all boils down to. Well, I mean, certainly there are plenty of capable actors. I don't there know were if they matter. Of, there are plenty of capable people, mm -hmm. but at the time, I don't think they were recognized as capable because of the overarching. Mm -hmm. For the most part, yeah. Culture. I mean, there, there are. There were Asian actors in white movies and black actors in white movies. Like, guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier, who was a, you know, Sidney Poitier made that leap from just doing, you know, movies, black only cast to being in this movie where he dates a white girl that brings him home to dinner. You know, he kind of made that leap uh, back noticed, then in film. That's film, not TV, of course. But I noticed more in television that indigenous people were whitewashed or white yeah. people were put in red face as opposed to Asian. You might certainly be right. I'm just more familiar with like spaghetti Westerns and <laughs> uh, shows like Little House on the Prairie and things like that, yeah. where I felt like it was more standing for Native Americans and indigenous people. Yeah, I've noticed that too. A lot of the Western movies. When it comes to, I was going to shift to African Americans. Shift. So I, I guess I'm more familiar with film, but in like, uh, the show, a lot of the Bing Crosby Christmas movies like uh, Holiday Inn, there, um, there's a bunch of them. But I notice a lot of the African-American actors and actresses, they often play maid roles or butlers. They're, yeah. they're limited in what they can say. But I believe it was... Um, there was another movie with Louis Armstrong playing, I believe himself, in, in a movie called New Orleans. Yeah. And, and he has a somewhat prominent part, but again, he's still not the, the central and uh, surprisingly the, the, the focus character. It's focused on these white actors, uh, characters, and what their role is in the movie. But I always found that interesting how gradually over time that African-American actors got more time on screen and their roles were more, I guess, centralized and not just side characters. Right. And I think part of that, 
you know, you have shows like Martin and uh, George Lopez and it is, you know, I'm, I'm jumping farther in the future with this, but you know, Martin, George Lopez, the Wayans brothers and stuff like that, where, you know, the, these shows were created by these people. So that's, you know, that's unfortunately, that's how they were able, some, some shows, not all shows, how they were able to get those roles. You know, you got Martin, which is Martin Lawrence, who's black and he's the main character. And then George Lopez, who's, you know, Hispanic and he's, you know, the main character. And then the Wayans brothers, and they're the main, it's just like, you know, to a point they're just, they, they had to kind of do it themselves. They're like, you know what, if you're not going to put us in a, you know, if you're not going to put us in something, then we're going to do it. And you even have um, in living color, which is a sketch comedy show that Jim Carrey was in, but he's like the only white guy, one of the only white guys, he's not the only one. Um, So, you know, in order for them to be able to to create or be in these roles and, and, you know, do really well at it, be really successful at it was they're like, you know, it's same with like, you know, movies and Spike Lee and and stuff like that, where they're like, we got to, if I'm going to do this, then we're going to, I'm going to have to do it myself. If I'm going to be this prominent figure, if I'm going to be you know if i want to be in a show where you know i'm the star then i'm gonna do it myself hopefully someone will pick it up luckily they did you know they were able to find people to pick it up and and you know give them a chance which is a great thing um so yeah so eventually they just kind of had to say f it let's do it ourselves what are your thoughts on the over time through tv series and shows in general that the cinematography the the camera work evolved I just remember like the black and white, a lot of wide shots, you know, not too many close ups. That's something I always kind of was intrigued by. I mean, like we said, you know, sitcoms reign supreme, like, like whoever said, I think that was Jake. So, you know, a sitcom is a three camera setup, you know, it's like they build a set and then they put three cameras, one for the left, one right and one center. And they're able to, you know, you know, shoot all of them at once so they can, get different angles whereas now you know even with shows like game of thrones and and like we mentioned earlier these marvel shows these star wars shows these are single camera so they're able to do a little more and you know they're not they're not having to focus on three separate cameras and keep them still all the time they can move them around and stuff and even shows like the office and parks and recreation and stuff where they, it's just one camera but that one well the office i think maybe had two but you know it's two cameras having to choreograph and figure out you know that's kind of the difference between then and now where sitcoms even sitcoms now they do it you know you know the first example that comes to hit my head like the ranch on netflix which is fairly new and then how i met your mother and you know kind of these newer sitcoms even how i met your father which just you know recently came out you know three camera setup that's what it was back then that's pretty much all they had to watch so they they're able to i think they're able to do a little more plus technology has gotten so great that they can add in things like dragons and um, power superpowers that are kind of believable even though you know nobody has superpowers but you know we believe it in these shows and they look good you know i watched the first episode of miss marvel the other day and it looked great like it looked really good but that's kind of you know kind of the difference between now and then like the technology is so much better and we have these these stories that are just so much you know so much grander taking a different approach that makes sense I think just the advancement in technology allowed the writers and producers to use different techniques. You know, right. back then the cameras for what you got out of them were so oversized. There were these big bulky contraptions. They would have film, they were heavy. Yeah. And essentially the only way to film these shows was to stick them on a tripod and do whatever you're going to do in front of them. 
And as technology advanced and cameras got smaller, film got lighter. Film disappeared. Film, yeah, we got digital and it's been able to become a more compact environment. It, it essentially just allowed. I don't think the styles evolved from a production standpoint. I would argue that they evolved from a technology standpoint where producers were able to see that they were capable of doing more and different things as opposed to producers wanting. I will succeed that uh, producers and directors probably did. And ultimately, that's probably what has drive technology to improve. But it's that improvement that allowed them to achieve these new styles. Right. Kind of where I was going with like technology got so much better that we're able to create these better, bigger stories such as Game of Thrones and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, you saw in a lot of the old movies, like War of the Worlds and well, the even host World, of the, War of the Worlds, the the the, the world the one. Earth stood still. I mean, I mean, they they had these ideas in their mind to create these creatures and floating objects. It was just a matter of technology. Yeah, I mean, even for then, War of the Worlds looked great. Still does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we talked about you know King Kong a while back, and like even now, yeah, it it with what they had, it looks good. You know, it wasn't like a hack job or anything. They didn't just go in there and were like, well, let's just, let's do like we do on the, and of course they're not going to say this in the thirties, but you know, like the Power Rangers, it wasn't like, let's get a bunch of stop motion animation in there. It was, let's build these tiny sets and put a guy in a suit that looks like a robot. That's kind of the cheap way to do it. Whereas King Kong, we're like, let's do it the right way. Let's add stop motion and do all this stuff. They even had VFX back then, like Charlie Chaplin's films and shows. They used matte paintings and all sorts of things to create a sense of depth and dangerous spaces Mm -hmm. and things like that. So they weren't without their wits. They made great substance out of the technology that they had. It's just things got easier. Yeah, they they did the best with what they had, you know? That's that's about the way you sum it up until it got to a point where it's like, okay, now we can do anything. We can make a giant purple guy, you know, from a, from a, another planet chasing a bunch of stones around. Thanks and to computers. Looks, and it looks really good. Yeah, it's crazy how good, you know, things look nowadays. It really does. Technology. What do they, what do they use these days, you know, as far as editing software, like big companies? Is it is it Avid? I remember watching well, World the Peter Jackson's World War One documentary and behind the scenes, they were using Avid. Man, that's as far crazy. As, as far as editing goes, yeah, Avid is still the most used nonlinear editing program in Hollywood. Uh, I don't want. It, I don't it know is. If I believe that. No, it is. Uh, uh, I don't know if I believe that. I'm pretty sure Premiere's the standard. No, but I could be wrong. No, it's absolutely. There's no not. way. It's the dinosaur. Avid, Avid sucks so bad. I hated <laughs> Avid. Listen, Justin, in the news, we used Avid for the entirely wrong process. Avid is made for the slow, deliberate editing process that goes into making a film. When Ken we're having films. when we're having to shoot and edit 10 stories a day, of course it sucks. It's the wrong program for the job we were using it for. I hate Avid. I do too. I would I would much rather use Resolve or Adobe Premiere or Resolve. Anything. iMovie. <laughs> I hate iMovie is great for news. It's a tool for a different job. So anyway, so moving on from Golden Avid, age. Yeah, moving on from Avid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some of your favorite television shows from the golden ages, either the 1950s or today? From today, I'd probably say it's The Sopranos and it's the, the mafia show about a guy named Tony Soprano and his dealings with 
the world of drugs, sex, and crime. Just one of those fantastic shows that I think everyone should watch. It's one of my favorites for sure. It's up there with Mad Men, which well, is a show about the 1960s era of admin. Another thing about The Sopranos, if I'm not mistaken, I've never seen it, but he's also like a family man, right? Yeah, so they so focus he on has a lot like of a, that. Yeah, he has a family, and that's kind of what makes it what it is. It's not really like, yeah, I'm, it's about a guy in the mafia, but it's also about a guy in the mafia who has this family. So you have these two different sides of him that you get to see. And that's why I, like, I really would like to watch The Sopranos. I just haven't got to it yet. Just because of that, like, I think that that dynamic is so interesting. He's got, you know, this hardcore guy in the mafia, but he's like, but I have this family that I have to take care of that I love. And so I thought that just that made it. That's a good point. For sure. yeah. yeah. And that um, that is actually uh, for this um, when this lesson I did for my students, uh, I looked up it was like the top 50 or top 100, I think, TV shows of all time. And The Sopranos was number one. I could see I, why. Yeah, which I, I thought I was interesting. I have heard that. That's a, the Sopranos <clears throat> is it, It's one. a show you could take breaks and come back to it and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you don't no, don't need to binge it. There's no rush because there's seven or eight seasons, but I finished it a couple months, a few months ago, I'd say, and it was fantastic. That this it's the, the narrative storytelling. This the first, I'd say the pilot is kind of a little bit off-putting for what the rest of the season holds just because it feels... A lot different than the rest of the show, but I think they were trying to find the tone. You just have to see it to be able to understand what I'm saying. But it just, I mean, from Tony Soprano's accent in the first few episodes, it really evolves and becomes more of a caricature of a typical, I guess, stereotypical New Jersey, Italian-American voice. But I think it was probably intentional too, because in one episode towards the end of the show, uh, there's this kind of a flashback uh, scene. Tony's actually like in a coma and he's having these dreams of him, but he's a different person. And he's speaking like how he did in the first episode where he had less of that nasal and mm-hmm. accent, I, would, I guess you could say. So what would you say your favorite one from back then is? I haven't really seen a, a Golden Age series through and through, but I guess serials of the Batman 1930s, 40s. And <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed those. I mean, those are quick and digestible yeah. to, to watch. I thought they were... I, I thought they were interesting, yeah. So much depth of them, but I, no. I, I, I love... I just, I mean, I can't imagine being a, a kid back in the day. Yeah. You know, re- reading the comics and then suddenly seeing your favorite superheroes, even though there aren't probably too many to choose from back then, like see them on the screen. I think I'll mention one more, I guess. Go ahead. I've, no, go ahead. Let's see, I think I've seen clips of Leave It to Beaver. Have you seen the movie? No, like the two thousands one or something. Or is there, or it is like a nineties one. Nineties one? No, I haven't seen no. that. Uh, Leave It to Beaver. Good. What else? Andy Griffith Show. Gilligan's Island. There, there is a. You know what? Well, never mind. That's from the eighties. I was gonna say. You know what show that I was watching with my mom the other day was Family Ties, and I thought that was. I thought it was a. A really funny show. I don't know if y'all seen Family Ties before, but I think I was. Who's in it again? Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. Michael 80s, J. Fox right? and Justine Bateman. Sixties and seventies. Yeah. No, eighties. Like eighties. Yeah, okay. 80s. Okay. I think the eighties era of TV is interesting. I think it's like that bridge to becoming more reflective of society. 
um, as far as not trying to hide yeah, certain things. Agree. We know um, one big monumental moment in TV was that I see a lot is, um, I don't know if you ever watched the show Ellen, um, but it's, you know, Ellen DeGeneres had her own sitcom. And she, I don't know if she was the first, but she was one, definitely one of the first, if not the second, you know, that came out as gay in a primetime television show. Um, so that was a pretty big moment in TV history. That was the 90s, though, not the 50s. Um, if I had to pick a 50s show that I really liked, it's definitely, um, well, about, 50, yeah, 59 um, is The Twilight Zone. Like, I freaking love the twilight zone anything that the twilight zone and alfred hitchcock presents which alfred hitchcock presents is the twilight zone just <laughs> with alfred hitchcock uh stuff you know maybe alfred, alfred hitchcock um and so there's you know there's been several iterations of the twilight zone but the only ones i've seen are the 5964 serial and then the 2019 or 2018 2019 one the jordan peele one um and i just i enjoy that whole <clears throat> like it's crazy to think Man, about speaking about it like a bridge between the two golden ages, Jordan Peele is killing it. Well, in film. Well, and well, the uh, with the uh, Twilight Zone series. As well, well, yeah, I it would is, say yeah. that's that's an incredible show. It is a great show. Like I really loved. It. I watched both seasons in like two weeks. You know, one week a season, and then you know his movies are really good too. Um, but yeah, the Twilight Zone. I like. I love it because you got to think it's a whole dimension, you know? And I, it's just weird to think that this stuff is happening to different people. You know, you don't know, it could be at the same time, all this stuff is happening or it's just, cause it even mentions, you know, another dimension, you know, you've entered the twilight zone. I'm like, this is a whole another dimension where all this crazy stuff happens. You know, it's not earth, but it looks like earth and it looks like our dimension, but it's not. Like interstellar in a way. I've never seen it. Oh, Justin, what? Oh. Hey, makes me want to, it makes me want to watch the movie. Just the emotional roller coaster. That I'm, not, that I'm an a, episode. I'm allowed to have about. not seen movies, okay? Just well, because not I'm a, this one. You need to see uh, Interstellar. <laughs> we're gonna have an episode on Interstellar now. Yeah, especially if we're gonna see uh, watch do an episode on snakes on the plane. Snakes <laughs> on a plane, or the the one where the people's heads are in each other's butts. <laughs> oh, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that is the most comical that is, way. Of yeah, playing. that's uh, that's I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> that's exactly how it's set up. I just didn't had no idea what if you're someone, referring to. If someone asked me if I wanted to watch that without <laughs> any other reference, I'd be like, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, let's, let's do until it. Until you see the realities. Of yeah, until I saw it. And I'd be like, oh. Yeah, and you're like, oh my God, this is a bad movie. I, I, that's I why I don't it. want to see it. And it, just, it seems like so well, disgusting. Well, we, we probably won't do an episode on The Human Centipede. I'll probably see it, but I just... I mean, it's probably day, good. I'll be like, Jake can have the synopsis out in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... I mean, the the whole reason I even... The, that, that movie interests me is because it's so... The premise is so insane. And there's three of them. There's three of those movies. You know, it's kind of like Doc Shark. Factor. It's kind of like Sharknado. You know, how many Sharknado movies are there? Five. You know, it's just the premise is so stupid. But then they keep making movies. It's like you got to be interested at that point. Like they're doing something right, <laughs> or they're doing something. You know, it doesn't have to be something right, but they're doing something. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. But um, I don't know if we're talking about favorite shows of today. Um, 
but I'm sure you guys know my favorite show of today, right? No. What? Office. Office. Yes. Yeah, there the we go. Office. The American. I didn't version, want right? to spoil it. Yeah. The Office is my favorite show. I, and it's just because it's so funny. Like I tried watching it once and then I couldn't get into it. And then I tried it again and I just kept watching it. And I just got in like ever since 2011, I've been watching that show. So what do you call uh, that style of show? We had this conversation we, last week. <laughs> well, he wasn't here for that. Yeah, I know. It's mockumentary. It's a it's mockumentary. It's called a mockumentary. Yeah. Where they're talking to the cameras and stuff. Cameras and yes. all that. Yeah. And I need to make a correction about, I know I had talked about Arrested Development being a, like a mockumentary, but not because they don't re- reference the cameras, but they totally reference the cameras because there's a scene where they all have to go to court for George Sr.'s, um, his they had to read off his charges and stuff. And the judge says there are no cameras in my courtroom and looked straight at the camera and the camera had to leave. And so quick correction, arrest development totally references the cameras. Okay. So back to the golden age TV. So um, do you have anything else to say, uh, Jake? Cause I kind of wanted to talk about something. Of course you do. Uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> no, you your talk favorite shows, your favorite shows. Yeah. You talk and then yeah, we'll talk was, about this. It's totally fine. Say my favorite shows. I grew up, my parents are on the older side. They had me late. My dad is 72. So I kind of grew up with some of these older shows. I'm not going to say that they were like, you know, they weren't like grandma, grandpa, and they only ever watched Little House on the Prairie and I Love Lucy and stuff. But like, we did watch shows like that. I grew up on Star Trek. I grew up on um get smart i grew up on <laughs> i love smart. lucy i grew up on um the andy griffith show yeah so any of those old game shows back in the day yeah um now that you mention it and still today like sometimes i'll go to my mom's house and she's watching like bonanza and gunsmoke um bonanza gunsmoke the lone ranger and like Nowadays, I'm like, I'll sit down and watch them with her because I think mm. I think they're cool. Like but back they're, then, I didn't really nice white noise. Yeah, yeah back I then I back then I couldn't stand them. I hated them, but yeah. as I got older, I began to appreciate them right. more, especially the comedies like Get Smart mm-hmm. or you know some of the even the humorous moments in like the Andy Griffith Show. You right. know, with with Don uh, Don Knotts, Don Knotts. Huh? Don Knotts. Yes. <laughs> That's not what I heard you say. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but just like... Don Knotts. As I grow older... Enunciate. Grow into this appreciation right. of those television shows and kind of appreciate them for the substance that, that are actually in them. Because if there is one thing that the 50s television had that the television today doesn't, there is a bit of substance that they very intentionally laid through the television shows. At the end of every episode, there was a lesson to be learned. Whereas yeah. today, it's not so much as learning a lesson as it is experiencing a story, experiencing emotions and exploring. So that's a significant difference between the two. And everybody, and the show ends with everybody laughing. They do end up, they do end on like a little freeze frame or something. Yeah. We grew up on, you know, yeah, like I said, grew up on Westerns and stuff. We also grew up on a show called Petticoat Junction and uh, Green Acres. Um, Not really Little House on the Prairie and stuff as much, but 
you know, those shows, like I totally grew up, I didn't, I didn't realize it until you mentioned it, like how much we actually, I, I ended up watching those shows with my mom. So yeah, that's interesting that I can't um, believe I forgot that. When did reality TV become a thing? I would say the early two yeah. thousands because well, in the nineties, I, I, I think a lot the, of that. W- the real world came out and that, that kind of, oh, yep. yeah, that kind of brought out the, the reality TV with, Seven strangers living in a house together, blah 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 blah. And then it kind of got popular with the competition shows, and road rules, like yeah, yeah, the road 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 rules, road rules challenge. And then like, you know, competition shows like The Amazing Race and stuff. Two thousand one came out, and then you know, cooking shows, and it just kind of became a thing. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Fear um, factor. I think the, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think in the nineties, I think is when the first real world came out. Cool. What's next? What about what about Candid Camera? Wasn't that a show in the '60s or something? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, not really reality television, though. I guess. Well, I would say it was reality. It's just, it's more like, yeah, like punk, you know, or they try to catch you on camera doing stuff. First episode was 1948, August 10th. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Candid. Crazy. I I never watched it, but I do know either. either. And what's my line? Another great show are you familiar with that like a bunch of like celebrities try to guess the occupation of someone famous whether like they're a musician or and they've like three people like look like dressed the same and but they the, the panelists ask those three people questions to try to gauge and guess who is legitimate that's another yeah, great I, show I oh, it's a cbs show i know that premise um mm-hmm. i've never I've, i think they tried to do something like that later um where it's like it's not really like guessing what they do for a living but it's more like it was a show about like people who knew celebrities and and we had to the audience and whoever had to guess who the person that knew the celebrity was does that make sense yeah so I, i remember the only one i remember was watching one about pink and the person was her choir teacher or something like that mm-hmm. or music teacher and he knew he knew pink and you kind of they the other ones had to kind of lie and say you know i did i know her because of this and then really they didn't yeah. stuff. that's kind of what that makes i just feel like shows like that game shows back then in the 50s and 60s allowed for the audience to get a feel for people's personalities because i think the way they act people act in movies and tv just the inflection and I can't mimic it right now, but this the way they were taught in school, I guess, to voice and act in general, very coming comes across as kind of theatrical and theater and delivery. Well, now that you mention it, Zach, it's like, it's gee, Emily, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good transition into what I was going to mention, because one thing we that I taught my students was about we had all these fictional TV shows and sitcoms and stuff. There was also a thing called the quiz show. Right. And so it's exactly like it sounds. Two people get up and they answer questions on, on TV. Right. Um, and so one of the earliest ones were like the, they, they were really popular back in the fifties, these quiz shows, because, you know, these guys, these people were like getting up there, answering these questions, winning a bunch of money. You know, it's kind of like jeopardy today but Jeopardy isn't staged. Whereas these quiz shows back then um, were staged mostly like, like a show. Uh, we actually watched the movie. It's called quiz show. Um, and it's got uh, Ralph Fiennes and um, what is his name? Turtle guy uh, from big Lebowski. Yeah. 
Um, Produced by in, Robert Redford. Wow. Yeah. And so it's, it's a really good show about this guy, Charles Van Doren, who becomes this, like, he's on a show called 21 um, and he becomes like a celebrity, but he's also like a, like he works at Columbia. He's a professor at Columbia. He's very, his family is very like intellectual family. But here's the thing is like 21 was involved in this big scandal where they were giving either giving the contestants the questions ahead of time or giving the contestants the answers. And it was kind of like, you know, wrestling now is today where everything is, is, you know, staged and choreographed and all that stuff, but they try to make it seem like it's real. Wrestling is not real. (laughs) It's like, it's totally fake. Everything's staged choreographed. There are real injuries, but you know, for the most part, wrestling is fake. And with these quiz shows back then, 21 specifically, the first episode wasn't rigged and apparently it was a disaster. Now, I don't know how it was a disaster. My my guess is that um, either the, you know, the questions were too hard or something like that. I'm not 100%. Was this clear. a show in the 50s, you said? Yeah, 1956. Oh, wow. Um, the, show is, the, the show is from the 56. Now, the movie... Um, is from the '90s, and it's a really good movie. Um, like I said, it's got Ralph Fiennes and I don't know, it's a British dude, right? Yeah, he plays Voldemort, mm-hmm. and um, John Turturro's in it. John Turturro, that's who I was trying to say. I kept. I he kept was on the Batman, Harry. right? Yeah, he plays uh, Falcone. Yeah, and so um, he also is in the Big Lebowski and any like Coen brother movie he's in. Um, and so it's a you know this, the movie's about Charles Van Doren, who's this intellectual guy who who is really smart, but then he, at first he doesn't want to take help, but then he ends up taking help and it becomes this, you know, after a while it becomes this big scandal. And so like these quiz shows were really popular until this happened. And then they just weren't, people just stopped watching quiz shows. And then, um, and then Jeopardy came around. I don't know when Jeopardy came around, but you know, it's, it's not fake or staged or anything from what I understand. It's been around for like 30 years, you know, Jeopardy is such a relaxing show to watch. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw out the the whole um, quiz show scandals because that was that's a kind of a pretty interesting time in TV history. And, you know, as it happened around this golden age of TV, and since that's what we're talking about, I thought it was appropriate. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie Quiz Show, um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's it's a really interesting uh, show, or excuse me, really interesting movie about this you know time in history, TV history for sure. We've previously talked about how streaming services have kind of revolutionized television i love watching the television shows on streaming services but at the same time i also feel like they're not really television shows because especially in the case or in the case of netflix or in the terms of netflix netflix's case (laughs) you can binge them immediately they put out the entire series it really becomes more of a extra long movie as opposed to serialized television. Do you think the advent of the binge session is changing the way, if we call today the golden age of television, the new age, the new golden age of television? Neo golden age. The neo, that's good. If this is the (laughs) neo golden age of television, what portion of that do we owe streaming services? I think that... It is the golden age because of streaming, you know, because streaming is just so big and like, yeah, there are like Hulu has started doing the one, one episode a week. Disney plus does a one episode a week. Netflix just straight up, you know, gives it to you all at once. And I think both ways are okay. You know, like I, I think I would rather have them all at once 
just because now I don't have to wait a week. But, you know, I'll still go through and watch, you know, like Miss Marvel just started and Obi-Wan Kenobi just started and I'm okay with waiting a week. It doesn't really bother me. I mean, yeah, I wish I had it all at once, but whatever. And I think just because of that and because these production companies, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, um, Paramount, all these streaming services, production companies are pushing out all this money to create good content. So I think that is also what helps make it a neo golden age of television um so yeah i think the streaming services i i believe definitely you know help yeah i agree i, I remember the days of watching 24 and lost with my dad and i felt i love the anticipation of waiting a week man for the next episode i tell you right. what when it I comes you to what. 24 that is one show that i hate streaming my parents didn't get into that show until like i don't know how many seasons there are but Bunch. there was depth of seasons already made when they got into 24 and so they would literally binge watch 24 for hours and it was so stress inducing yes you yeah. don't have that week-long break and it's just that intensity over and over and over continuously 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 non-stop yeah. for like three or four hours on end that was way too much for me and my parents they didn't bother my parents at all 24 is one of those shows i feel like you kind of need that week to, to breathe process. and uh, process everything and get, get ready for what's to come because a lot of the episodes ended on cliffhanger endings you don't know if it, someone was whether it was jack or one of his colleagues or a, a bad guy whether they were dead what happened to them Whereas I think modern, more the modern series, they try to include some of that method of trying to get you to watch the next episode. But then they know if it's like Netflix, for example, they dump everything at once. You're just going to watch it right away. So it's right. not that much of a, a buildup of tension. You're just going to find out in two seconds and you have like three seconds to choose to watch credits or <laughs> go on to the next thing. And I like yeah. to watch credits sometimes just to breathe or, you know, use the bathroom or whatever. I'll say they're like on Stranger Things. That left us scrambling for the remote. Like, because we'd watch one or two episodes at a time before we went to bed. And and because it, it only gives you like 10 seconds total. And so, so we no, were scrambling annoying. whenever it ended for the remote because we didn't want to watch the next episode yet. It was too stressful. We wanted to go to bed, but once the, once an episode started, we were going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So we like, might as well. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so it was almost stress inducing turning the show off as it was watching. Back to what I was saying, just to include my point about the no, 24, for example, ending on those very, you could tell that they were, episodes were crafted in such a way to make you want to wait that long that period of time of, of a, a week. So I think that was kind of interesting. I, again, some shows still do that, but again, like Kenobi, I'm not too impressed with the show, but I do enjoy it. Uh, I think there's not too many things I'm surprised with, to be honest, but mm -hmm. It's I still crave um, what's to come for sure. Yeah. But, but the fact that we know what's ha what happens in the future in the movies yeah. and he turns into Ben Kenobi and he turns and becomes one with the force. It's like, okay, I know the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the case of 24, I watched the first season and I was like super into it. And then the second season started and I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. 
and I haven't watched it since. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know why. I just instantly was like, I don't want to watch Sutherland's this. Keeper cool. Yeah, he's so cool. He was like, how cool many bad and... days can this guy have? Yeah, the golden age 2.0. We are in the midst of it. All right, guys. So finishing up, do you have any last thoughts on the golden age of television, the neo-golden age of television? What do you think? Well, I still really enjoy some of those older shows from back then. I don't watch them as much as I would probably like as much as I would like to, um, but I definitely would do watch them when I go to my mom's house because she's usually watching them. It's either that or Lifetime movies, and so I'm like, well, if I had those two to choose from, let's watch some older TV shows. I'd rather watch Bonanza than watch I Killed My Wife Twice. So I uh, definitely have a, more of appreciation as an adult when it comes to those kind of shows and I can actually sit down and watch them. But then again, you know, TV nowadays is just so awesome. It's like special effects and stuff. Just insane. How good TV is now. Zach, what about you? What do you think? Do you think you you guys know me kind of an old soul and I just admire the, I guess the fashion and some of the vibes of the forties and fifties, obviously not some of the societal racism and all that, but beyond that, I, I enjoy the black and white shows and films of that day Uh, right but i agree closing up i agree with you justin i feel like we're in a new age of television that has been brought on by streaming services i don't think you can discount that Um, Mm -hmm. but there's just well it helped it definitely helped the yeah the the services that we now have paired with the technology that is accessible um and just the evolution of the production process the the producers and directors today are standing on all the achievements of the ones before has just created this insurmountable evidence or proof that television today is the best it has ever been so far yeah absolutely i I, I think it's overwhelming though i think it's there's a massive menu of content it just i mean i have more stuff added to my lists on the various streaming services that i you know, watch stuff on, then I'm actually, I'm watching like one or two shows at a time. I can't do more than that. And I'm actually trying to go through the boxes of movies and DVDs that I currently own that I haven't watched in a while. I'm, I'm trying to go back to watching stuff from on like physical copy material. There's so many shows out there that I feel like you almost have to be intentional. If you're going to sit down for the purpose of going to watch it with an intentional eye, I feel like you have to carve out time. You have to make yourself sit down and watch these shows. And I'm not discounting if you're a listener and you don't watch television and movies critically, that's fine. If you just sit down and you just throw on a movie for noise or just enjoyment, that's absolutely fine. It's just... Thank you, Jake. I'm sorry? <laughs> Nothing. I said, thank you, Jake, for giving them permission. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. Go ahead. But I'm sorry. When, when you enjoy picking apart film and TV like we do. Mm, I don't mm. enjoy. Well, enjoy. Yeah, overly critical. I, feel I, like I think it, I, I'm too critical. Well, for me, <laughs> it's just because I've studied it, you know, and so it just kind of, it's more habitual than it is enjoyment for me like i don't care to sit there and go hmm you, you seem know, like most like, out of the three of those though it seems like you just you're the you're more open to watching giving things a chance whereas yeah. I'm, I'm not here's my saying <laughs> any movie is worth watching once so i see what you're saying yeah so so cool i beans. enjoy picking apart films and that means that i have to actually sit down and 
and set time aside for it. So, so anyway, yeah. all I have to say, I think we're agreement that television's day is probably We love TV, yeah! Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other last comments? Yes, I'm looking forward to the the next age, the yeah. golden age of Golden Age 3. Golden Age 3. VR headsets. That's the, the sequel. Want to be able to touch and feel and taste what's well, on you know, screen. they had they had Smell-O-Vision <laughs> where you like they were like yeah 4D cinema. Well, Smell-O-Vision was I it, I don't remember exactly how it worked, but I think it was like a scratch and sniff type thing where you scratch what's on scratch and sniff what's it, on TV. It was like on Willy uh, Wonka. <laughs> it was. It came in the TV guide magazine and it it gave you a list that said like you know what you know, 15 minutes and 17 seconds in the show, scratch this and sniff. Or when you see so, so this silly. little marker in the corner, <laughs> scratch and sniff. And so it's kind of like a weird. <laughs> that was the innovation. Oddly, so like oddly complicated process. Yeah, it's so silly. I tried. Yeah, they tried. <laughs> they tried. All right, cool, man. Well, that was a that was an interesting conversation. What do you guys think if you're listening? If you've made it this far to us, ramble. What what do you listeners think? Tell us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Those are all avenues in which you can contact us. Tell us, is this television age the best, or is it back in the 1940s or 50s, or some other time that we didn't talk about? You know, maybe you think uh, 80s was where it's at. I don't know. Or maybe you're from the future. Get to give enlighten us about what's going on in your time. <laughs> yeah, if you're like in uh, 2025 and you found no, us. No, no, no. If you're from the future, you better be in like the 3000s, man. Like, talk about that. TV's not a real thing then. I don't care about 2025. That's only three years away. Go farther <laughs> in the future. Go to like to 2500 or something. Oh, my God. If someone in the future just like they're on YouTube and it like pops up and it's like, you know, there's like, oh, it's, it's 2028 and I'm listening to the, the soundtrack. That <laughs> that kind of future, not someone literally time traveling, you absolute spoon. <laughs> I don't I don't understand what you're talking about now. Oh my uh, God, you've, it. You've, yeah, you've it. lost me. Sorry Smash. for uh, mentioning the future. <laughs> Remember? Joker in 1989. Guys, like, thank you so about much the for being here on this podcast and giving us your time. Giving uh, us your from time. myself, from Zach, from Justin. Justin, have a fantastic day. See you guys. Yeah.